Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. And uh, today's, uh, this audio is in no man's land. In other words, it's somewhere between day 20 and 30 of your 30 day challenge. But it's a day, it's a bit of a podcast just to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on and what's gonna go on in the future. So let's just put things in context. We are in a world of, uh, in two worlds. There's a world inside your head, which is what you want, what you think, what you feel, what you have, what you don't have. And there's a world outside of you, which is what other people have and what other people think and what other people feel and your emotions. And I'm gonna suggest for this, for this sake of this podcast, your emotions, which are your response to people's thoughts. So in other words, you can't have an emotion without having a trigger. So it's a tall tree, it's a green tree. These are all emotions that you are being triggered to witness, observe. And very few people have learnt the art of observation without judgment. So we say, oh, that's a tall tree, or that's a, a beautiful sky, or that's a lovely day, or it's a, uh, uh, as I'm sitting now in my back garden uh, on a Saturday morning watching my sheets uh, bake in the sun uh, on, uh, under a beautiful, beautiful tree, uh, uh, this is a, a magnificent day. And, and it's, 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 it's really, everything I respond to, react to in the world is an emotion. And so when we get hooked into emotionalism, it means we're, we're hooked into reacting to the world around us. And that's really beautiful because it means we can design a world to be a better place and we can design a world to be a happier place and we can design a world to be a kinder place and we can design a world to be a more loving space and we can design a world to have less of something and more of everything else. And this gives us the ability to create. And so all of this work, all of this work of 30 days is about creation and about you becoming the creator of your life. And the first step was, is, and continues to be, is to teach you what isn't creation, which is, in other words, what is the state of mind inside your head that will get in the way of you responding to the world in a positive way, responding to the world. So let's just firstly put things in context. Out here in the world of reactiveness, which is called the emotional world, the thoughts of other people, the thoughts of other things, the thoughts of everything around us, there is positive and negative. And you may have learnt that already. I hope that it's been drilled into your brain that, uh, that there's balance out here. That when I, see that when I say, there's a beautiful day, that's local. That's here in Bondi. But it may not be so beautiful down in Tassie or over in uh, Haiti or it may not be so beautiful down in Africa uh, or it may not be so beautiful in New York City or in London where the COVID is going on. So it, it, we, we, we think locally and when we react locally, we're, re, we're living small. So the localism of life, local thought process, which is my back garden is fantastic, therefore, and my sheets are drying, and therefore it's a beautiful day. That is me acting small because I'm acting in response to an environment that I can see, feel, taste, smell, touch right here. But that's a naive response because if I say, oh, that's I mean, I'm so lucky, look at me, I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm blind to the, the rapes and I'm blind to the uh, uh, slavery and the child abduction in Nepal and India 
if I'm blind to the mistreatment of women around the world, if I'm blind to uh, bullying, if I'm blind to all of these things, then I'm localized and therefore I'm small. And my reactions are small, my life is small, and I stay small. Well, that wasn't ever intended. And so if we stay small and we stay localized, nature will give us either a shunt up the ass with a, with a, with a, a size 42 boot or give us coaching by Chris to nudge you along a little bit and say, hey, uh, yes, there is the thing called local, but there's non-local as well. And what you need to look for is an expanded viewpoint of life so you don't become blind. And that uh, is when in the biblical language when they talk about Jesus re uh, made a blind man or a blind person see, they're not talking about eye, the eyes in their head, they're talking about the brain. They're talking about what we're talking about right now. They're talking about the ability to see non-locally, the ability to respect that there is always going to be balance whether you like it or not. And reacting to imbalance is just reacting locally. And that reaction locally makes you small, naive, dumb. Uh, and it breeds somebody on the other side of the fence to react locally as well in opposition to you. So it means everything you create from a local viewpoint is discreated or destroyed by somebody around the corner thinking the same as you, but, on, but seeing the opposite. So in order to operate non-locally and locally, we introduced you to, in the process of this 30 days, we introduced you to five principles which force you out of local perception. Now, that is not to destroy your joy. So I'm going to talk about this whole thing in just a minute, but it's not for the purpose of destroying your joy. It's the purpose of expanding your vision so that you get a global view instead of a local one. Instead of thinking about uh, loving one person or two people or three people in a little box called a house, you start to think about global love. You start thinking about uh, uh, neighborhood love. You start thinking about love in a broader context and love becomes a lifestyle. So you go to work to love, you go to sport to love, you go to the garden to love, you think about love. And then we have to describe what is bloody love. And that's really hard because people in a got-to space will say love is a really, really uh, nice, wet, sexy, licky, kissy, orgasmic experience with somebody. They say, I so love you because I fucked you. But that's, and so, and you can't argue that with that person because they're so infatuated that that is love to them. And if it weren't for infatuation, we wouldn't have uh, the rep replication of the race, human race. So nature built into human beings this uh, idea of uh, love in a, in a guttural sense or in a lower sense or in a physicalized sense being infatuation. And then we rise up, you say, well, you know, I'm not, it wasn't just lust and sex that I, 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 I really think this person does what they should. And so we start measuring love by whether people behave in a way that we think is appropriate. And so we get the should projection. We say, this person, my partner, should be caring, mindful, environmentally aware. And when they do that, we say, I love them. Uh, my ex used to say, when you don't have a beard, I really love you more. So she was basically saying, when you look younger, so as long as you look younger, I, I should love you. So you should look younger. And so that's a level of love. And you can't argue with that person to say that's wrong. You say, well, that's where you're at. The problem is that it's very local love. And it's very uh, re reactive love. And it's very 
uh, temporary love because when that person shaves or when that person uh, goes out of that environment and does what they shouldn't, you say, I don't love you anymore. And now the whole thing blew up because you entered in the wrong door and you got to exit out the wrong door because it started and began from a lopsided perception. And so this is not magnetic. And so we rise all the way up through the levels of love and we get finally get to the top three, which is love is a lifestyle. You take love to work, you love your cat, you love uh, the Middle East, you love people uh, in uh, Nepal, you love children, you love... You, you, you struggle with the concept of loving people you don't like. And that really becomes the work of evolution, where you start to say, here's a list of all the people I don't like, here's a list of all the shit they've done that I don't like, and here's a list of all the people who are still doing what I don't like, and here's how I'm going to move that day by day, step by step, not too fast, into a state of love, because love is a lifestyle. I want to love my body as it is. And so now we get to this conversation that we need to have today. And that is the difference between the commercial world, which is manifesting things in a material way, and the non-commercial world, which is manifesting things in a non-commercial way, in a, let's say, a mental way. So there's the manifest world, which is the, you know, sitting here, my sheets on the hills hoist, the beautiful trees, the birds chirping in the background. This is the, this is the world of manifest. It's manifest, it's created. It's local and non-local, so I can see beauty in my garden. I'm not watching right now the destruction of um, uh, the flora and fauna of the beach because of dog shit going down the pipes or whatever. I'm not looking at a fight in the street. I can't hear any motorbikes right now doing wheel stands, um, but they're there. And so uh, the manifest world is in duality. If I, if I get infatuated with the manifest world, I will try to build more of it. And if I get resentful of the manifest world, I will try to have less of it. And that dictates my life. That's, that becomes my captain of my ship. The manifest world dictating what I want more of, dictating what I want less of. And I run around like a, a, a monkey looking for, uh, for peanuts or uh, somebody waiting for coconuts to fall out of the tree. I run around waiting for the good coconut. Uh, hoping like hell it comes before I starve to death. And so this world of manifest, uh, this manifest world being the dictator of your life becomes quite complicated. And, is, and, 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 and this is a really interesting piece of work because in the manifest world, our values will determine how we measure ourselves. So, so I could manifest, let's say I manifested uh, right now a um, helicopter. Boom, there it is in my backyard. Boom. It's a real, I can touch it. Can you hear it? That's not me farting, it's a helicopter. And I've manifested it. And someone says, hey Chris, you manifested a helicopter. And I go, yeah, yeah, big fucking deal. So what? I don't really want a helicopter. I don't measure myself by how many helicopters I've got. It doesn't show anybody anything. And so I don't value it. And so your values determine how you measure yourself. And this is a really keen part of the 30 days you've been on, is understanding your values, because your highest value will be how you measure yourself. And you say, like my brother, he measures himself by how many dollars he's got in the bank. And he has gone through hell in a handbag, sacrificed so much of what he could have done, might have done, should have done, would have done, would have done, to, to become a very wealthy man. 
and live the lifestyle of that wealth. And that is how he measures himself, and therefore he feels good about himself for having done that. And anything that tries to take any of that away, he will fight really hard and argue really strongly. So when my brother <laughs> buys a bike light for his road bike, which costs 100 bucks, my brother will spend at least three to four weeks online looking at reviews, looking at costings, trying to find the cheapest one from Abacadabra, whatever it's called, over in, um, over in uh, uh, China. So let's now talk about the unmanifest world. Let's talk about the, the world. Uh, we've talked about duality and stuff that goes on out here in the, in the, in the materialized environment and uh, that you can build a chair, you can build a clothesline, you can hang your washing out and it all looks good locally. Uh, you can also recognize that's a really narrow view of life and that if you operate locally, if suddenly the rain comes, blows the chair away, evacuates my washing off the clothesline and the, all the trees die, I'm sad. So you can go, it, it makes you very, uh, what's the word for it, unstable, it makes you very vulnerable and it localizes love and therefore you will target an individual and say, I love this person, uh, the rest of my life's totally fucked up, but I love this person and that makes you really small smaller and smaller and smaller until such time as nature implodes you and takes you off this planet because you've got so rigid, so tight, so narrow in saying, I so love my partner. Oh my God, I so love my partner. And then it doesn't matter what happens anywhere else because you go, oh, I hate my job. Uh, I don't love my work. I don't love the flowers. They're, not, they're dying. So the antidote to this is really simple. Now, just help, let me bear with me for a minute. When you go to a petrol station and you say uh, uh, that, and that petrol station sells specialises in selling petrol, and you walk up to the owner of the petrol station and say, "What petrol should I put in my car?" and they look at your car, they look at the Bowser, and they say, "That one." And it just so happens it's the Super X Triple volume, super duper oil uh, enhancing speed performance oil, uh, petrol. They will choose what they think is either corruptly or authentically what is best. But if you're in a tire company where that, that makes car tires that also sells petrol and you say, what's best? They say, you make sure you've got the right tires on your car and these tires that we have over here, these ones, will not skid in the rain, they will stop you anywhere, and they'll help your car go faster. And you go, what petrol should I put in? They say, oh, it doesn't matter, just put the cheapest one, it's, uh, it's okay, it doesn't. Because that person's specialization or their profit or their measure of themselves comes from tires. And then you go to another place, which is a brake company, and you go in there and you go, oh, hello, I'd like to buy petrol, please. And they say, have you checked your brakes lately? And you go, oh, you corrupt bastards, you you only selling me what you what you think is important. But that's life. People only sell each other their highest value. And what you've got to realize out here in the manifest world is you're dealing with a thousand people a day whose values are all unique to them, thumbprint different. Everybody's values are different. And they're going to sell you their values first. It's not corrupt. It's what they think is important. So my brother will say to me, 
how much do you charge for coaching? And I say, well, it's 1200 a month or 7200 a year or it's 2300 for a 30 day challenge or whatever I say. And he'll say, you're not charging enough, Chris. You could charge triple that. And I go, but I don't want to charge that. The money doesn't mean that much to me, blah, blah, blah. And he'll go, oh, this is ridiculous. You, you, you just, uh, and how, how much did you spend on the triathlon? And I go, it doesn't matter, mate, it doesn't matter. I, I had so much joy out of it. I had so much, it's so much part of my love is a lifestyle metaphor. And he goes, that's just ridiculous. You, you're gonna love yourself and you'll be 80 years old but you won't have a million dollar, a multi-million dollar property and you won't have this and you won't have that, which is all about security. And I say, well, I don't really care. I'm probably gonna work until I drop. And so what, what does, a, a valuable property have to do with this as long as I've got income and I can pay what I do and I've got a few investments who cares so even my brother is selling me his values he's not corrupt he's not mischievous he's just selling me what he values and out here in the manifest world every single person you ever meet will be selling you something that they value and so one person might say uh, uh, oh Chris, you, you, you do Pilates, and that person loves Pilates. It's because Pilates for them is about order in their life. And so you go, oh, their value is order. And what they want you to have is some organized form of health management, such as Pilates, a very uh, re re strong regime of health management, and they'll sell you that. Someone else will say, what sort of bike you got? And you go, oh, I've got a... Uh, Cervelo tri tri triathlon bike and they go oh that he, he'd be far better off with this side of bike and that's because they value those bikes because that, that bike represents how they measure their life and so out here in the manifest world it's bloody confusing as to where you sit because it's all by necessity reactive so the inner world is non-reactive now when you go to the inner world there is no pain because what you've got is what you expect. So there's a quote, it says, you wanna find happiness, real happiness, want what you've got. In the Western world, we want what we haven't got. So we go to work and we don't say, oh, I'm really lucky to have this job. I'm really lucky to have this workload. I'm really lucky to have this uh, boss. I'm really lucky to have this environment. I'm really lucky to have this income. What we say is, how can I get more? How can I get less, more income for less work? How can I work less, get more pay? We into the more and less paradigm. And in the more and less paradigm, how do I fix things? Which means, how do I, how do I get what I haven't got? How do I fix something? How do I help people want what I haven't got? How do I uh, build? that success, how do I want what I haven't got? We're in the material world reacting to the, to the manifest world and we're all over the ship and we get really uh, disheartened by that. But if you want what you've got, you're not very good at work because you go to work and you go, well, that's fine. You go, but you're a consultant, you're supposed to improve this company. Yeah, but look, look how good they are. Look how amazing they are. Look how spectacular they are. And the, the, the companies employing you say, but you're supposed to find what's wrong and improve it. We're, you're here for improvement. And you go, no, yes, I'm here for improvement, but look what you've got. And so the inner world is at, at war 
in a sense, with the, with the manifest. So the non-manifest and the manifest are having a, a shit fight. And the question you ask yourself at the end of the day, I hope, because the quality of your life depends on the quality of the questions you ask, and the quality of your coaching depends on the quality of the questions you ask your coach. If you ask local questions, how do I uh, dry my shirts on the clothesline here and my sheets, how do I dry them faster? That's local local question. Non-local question is, how do we help the people in Haiti uh, and uh, the abduction of uh, people, or how do we help uh, uh, the world of uh, uh, China and, and integrate more and uh, how do we do, you know, those are questions and the bigger the question, the bigger the life. And so you won't find Bill Gates or Richard Branson worried about the little things because the little things they sub subcontract out or just don't freaking worry about them at all. So what if it rains? So, you, you, so we get this argument between the non-manifest and the manifest will. How do you want what you've got? Well, the first thing about this is, is to see that what you've got has everything you could ever want in it if you don't measure it by your value. In other words, if you just say, I'm in the backyard. I'm not, you didn't hear a judgment, did you? You didn't hear me say, I'm in a great backyard, I'm in a fantastic backyard. So I didn't use my senses to measure the backyard. I just said, I'm in the backyard. It's an event. I'm in the backyard. An event. Do I want it to be different? Well, while I'm in the event, no. Once I'm out and the clouds are coming over, I say, oh shit, the clouds are coming over and my washing's not going to dry. So the two of them are juxtaposed. And the question you could be asking right now, if the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the question, then Chris, which fucking one do you want me to bloody tune into? And the answer is, both. Because if you go to the outer world and say, I want to improve the planet, I want to make the world a better place, I want to improve my garden, if I want to do something, if I want to build something, you will set a goal. And you say, I, I, I want to have an income of this much money and I want to have this many clients and I want to do this, I want to do that. I, I want what I haven't got. You will then set about going to get it. So when you set about going to get it, the next question is, what's the fastest way to get what you want? And the fastest way to get what you want is not want it. Now this is really interesting because want is an emotion. So I want the garden to be greener, or I want the, the fence to be shorter, or I want the neighbours to be quieter, or I want something. What's the fastest way to get what I want? And the fastest way to get what I want is not want it. Now, why is that? When I want something, I trigger my emotions, my senses, and I start to reject what I've got and want what I haven't got. That means I get into a state of imbalance. And that means I go in pursuit of things with aggression, with uh, testosterone, with, with determination, with commit conviction. And that makes me overshoot. And it's no different to driving a car on a wet road if you, if you want to get around the corner really fast. Sometimes the fastest way to get around the corner really fast is to go slower riding a bike. If you want to go from a 100 kilometer bike ride, sometimes the fastest way to get what you want, which is go as fast as you can for 100 kilometers, is to slow the damn hell down and not want to get to the end, but want to be where you are on the bike. Want to be in a zone, in a pocket, in a space. And so these two things are not as disparate as they sound. Secondly, the pictures, the images in your head of 
condemnation of what you've got, uh, aspiration for what you haven't got, that picture is, is like uh, pouring arsenic into a beautiful glass of the most magnificent champagne on earth. Because you start to condemn in your own brain 24-7 what you've got. And you start to be critical. Instead of going, I'm so blessed, I'm so lucky, and tune in to what I would call energy, life force. Tune into the stuff that gives you the petrol to go out and get what you want. So there's the root source cause and the effect, which is what you want. And so these two things are not as disparate as they first sound. So when they say the East wants what you've got, the East says, Eastern teachings say, want what you've got. If you want happiness, want what you've got. They're 100% right. And the Western teachings say, if you want success and you want to uh, measure yourself by your, uh, by your values, want what you haven't got and go and get it. But where does the fuel come for you uh, as a being come to go and get what you want? Well, it doesn't come from going to get aggressively going to get what you want. It comes from this thing we call a balanced mind and this thing we call this internal world of self-talk. It comes from wanting what you've got. So if you don't appreciate it the way that you've got it, you won't get it the way that you want it. And I hope, I believe, and I trust that for 20 days so far in the 30-day challenge, you have been introduced to some, just some of the basic principles of wanting what you've got. So you build the fuel to go and get what you want, which is your vision, without getting infatuated with what you want to the degree that it condemns what you've got. You don't have to sacrifice what you've got to get what you want, as long as you don't just wholeheartedly go out and go for, go for it and go for what you want without actually having some sense of respite, some sense of calm, some sense of self-love without it. So we're building self-respect, self-love, self-leadership, self-awareness, self-thing with nothing, which is wanting what you've got, because what you've got, even though you might measure it in the seven areas of life, money and all those things, you, I, you, what do we say? I want nothing, I need nothing, and therefore I have everything. That place is inner. And that builds the petrol, and it builds the fire, and it builds longevity and it builds the peace, and it builds the steadiness, and it builds the balance from which you can go out and hunt or chase or pursue what you want without getting infatuated, which means overshooting the corner, overcooking the dinner, over-basting the relationship, over-hunting uh, your partner, being jealous, being critical, being frightened, being uh, spooked, and worrying about local stuff like whether my laundry is going to dry today. <laughs> this is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Uh, I'm so thoroughly enjoying working with you on this 30-day challenge. From an inner viewpoint, I want what I've got. I really do. You're amazing people. You're, uh, your journeys are all uh, spectacular, and I really hear and feel your appetite to, to, to understand this completely beautiful uh, 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 way to incorporate Eastern teaching and Western teaching in one learning, which is understanding how nature really works locally, non-locally, and invisibly, the thought behind the thought. 
Have a beautiful day. Bye.